I'm like, I call myself a, a crypto elder because I've been around for so long in this space. Um, <clears throat> and I've been, I was around in web one in the tech world. Um, and I discovered Bitcoin in 2013. So, um, you know, I've been hooked and addicted and a full DJN ever since. <laughs> Welcome to Unraveling Crypto, where we simplify big and complex ideas in Bitcoin, blockchain, Web3, and tech, while connecting you with entrepreneurs, builders, and leaders building at the edge of innovation. I am Vane, your host. Welcome back to Unraveling Crypto. Today, I have Drew on. We have been trying to get together and do a podcast for a few months now, um, but Unraveling Crypto season two-ish is back, and I'm excited to have you on. Welcome, Drew. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so Drew and I met when I first entered into the space, and and we well we met through. Um, oh my God, I'm blanking right now. Crash, Crash punks. punks. Yeah, uh, yeah, Crash punks, and then um, we met in person here in Miami during Art Basel event. And then from there, it's kind of like we, we took off and sort of did a little bit of work together. But before we dive into anything, can you just, I love to ground in all the guests and myself. So what's, what are you most grateful for right now? Hmm. Um, I know, I know it's always a cliche and parents always say this, but, uh, my kids, you know, I just, I have oh. a six year old daughter and a 10 year old son. Um, and I'm the primary parent. So, uh, you know, daddy is, is an important part and, and I love those kids so much there and they bring me joy every day. My son had last night, he's an actor and he was in a play. Um, so they had like their opening of beauty and the beast and he was all like excited. It was great. It was super fun. Oh, that is wonderful. Um, I let's kick it off. Can you just tell us a little bit about you and what you do? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, my name's Drew Falkman. I am currently the CEO of friends, friends place. Um, we're building community app basically to make it easier to manage web three communities. Um, and, and I can talk about how I got into that. Uh, I've been, I'm like, I call myself a, a crypto elder because I've been around for so long in this space. Um, <clears throat> and I've been, I was around in web one in the tech world um, and I discovered Bitcoin in 2013. So, um, you know, I've been hooked and addicted and a full DGN ever since. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's get into it. How did you get into, how did you discover Bitcoin? Mm -hmm. So I was at the time, so it was 2013 and I was, I had this wine startup called Vinzi. Um, mm. I went through a period. So my, my first foray into tech, I started a, like a web agency in web one with a couple other guys. Um, and I, it was a, a wild ride. It was a lot of fun and we ended up making tech and getting VC funding and doing all this stuff. But I was super burned out after. Uh, and burnout is no joke. And so I ended up 
becoming like in my sort of disillusion. I was like kind of coasting. I had written a book and I was a Adobe trainer. So, and I had some mm. like consulting clients that were super easy. So I was coasting and in my spare time, I ended up starting a winery with a friend because it was great to be like, you know, pumping down the caps and like in there in the rain, like cleaning out these presses. It was just so different from tech that it was like super, super nice. And uh, what I discovered in that was that there was like all these little wineries. It's really hard to stay afloat because they sell their wine for pretty cheap to a distributor. And then the distributor sells it again to the retailer who then takes, so everyone's taking a markup on this and they're not getting much. And so you can't really make a lot of money unless you make a lot of wine. And it's hard to make really mm -hmm. good wine when you're making a lot. Um, and very few wineries become like boutique where people pay, you know, like a hundred dollars a bottle premium. So I started this website to sort of allow, it was a marketplace essentially to let independent wineries be able to distribute directly to consumers. And I was just looking for new ways to differentiate and uh, somehow or another, I don't even know how I read something about Bitcoin and I was like, Oh, that's interesting. And then I like read about Satoshi and then like, I went, I totally went down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah. yeah, We ended up plugging it in. We were like the first place you could buy wine with Bitcoin in 2013. So that was kind of cool. Um, but you know, after that I was like kind of hooked and then 2016, um, I, I wish I had bought more. It was $400. And I was like, this is so expensive. There's no way. This is just, it's probably going to go away. I, I shouldn't buy very much. Um, yeah. Mis big mistake. Um, <laughs> 2016 Ethereum, I was like, oh, oh, wow. This is like a whole new thing with smart contracts and stuff. And then at that point, um, that was it. I was hooked. I was hacking and, you know, doing LinkedIn courses on it and like just fully degenning on the side as much as I could. So. Yeah. Okay. So this is really interesting. You in another in a past life, then you were making wines. I didn't know this. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a lot of lives. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's in. Yeah. You. I would love to just pick your brain on that because I think I've seen you develop and build and iterate, and I, that just demonstrates your perseverance and how much you really care about something. And then you just pivot from there. Like what has been your mindset in just iterating and pivoting, like from what you're creating, what you're building and how are you using, you know, what's in the moment to help you and boost you with that? Mm -hmm. um, you know, iterating and pivoting and all that is like, <clears throat> that's like a way of life. You know, I feel like, mm. um, it's like once you learn about it, you kind of get addicted to it um, because it's, you know, I've always been in sort of zero to one product development. That was what our agency focused on. Um, you know, there are a lot of other places building sort of pretty brochures and we were like, there, we can build cool stuff with this and companies would come in and say, we need something. And then we would work with them to figure out, okay, because they would look, say, oh, we need a shopping cart. And we'd be like, well, but yeah. So does everybody like that doesn't help. So like, how can you innovate on that? And so, you know, and then I discovered lean startup and all that. Um, and it's great. I love the process of it, of just testing things out and iterating. And when things hit, it's such a good feeling, you know, it's such yeah. a good feeling. 
And what's the mental framework that you have to have when perhaps things don't hit and you're like, okay, this is a lesson. Because I think for a lot of us, I mean, that happens to me all the time. Mm -hmm. it, it can be, it can be hard to kind of pick yourself back up. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough, you know, and it's interesting. I was talking to someone else about this the other day and I think different people need like to hear things differently, right? Like some people are really comfortable with risk and they love it and they seek out risk. And for those people, I say, look, you know, that's great. Shoot for the moon or whatever. But like, also you have to be methodical and you have to have like, you have to work to hit sort of goals so that you, you're not constantly just like shooting for the moon, you know, and doing the hail Mary and then ending up like having to start over and, and fail every time. And then for others that are more risk averse, um, or just frustrated from like failing, you know, and that's where I am. I mean, I, I wouldn't say I'm, I have a little tolerance for risk, but you know, I'm not always like shoot the moon and, you know, do all that. And it's like, you know, sometimes you just have to like take a step back, you know, cause it's mm. sometimes it feels okay. You're ready to fail. You're like, we're going to try this. I don't know how it's going to work. And, and if it doesn't work, you're like, okay, well, that's too bad. I thought maybe that was going to work, but I'm okay. But then sometimes you like, you miss a few times in a row and it doesn't mm. feel good, you know, and you're kind of down and, you know, in those times, it's really best to just take a step back, go back to like core beliefs. And for me, a huge piece of it is people and community, uh, you know, and you'll hear that a lot from me because I'm super into it, obviously. Um, but, you know, going back and talking to people that are experiencing the problem that you tried to solve, right? Or whatever it is. I mean, even if you're, if you're getting out there with media or with art, just talking to mm -hmm. people who would find it interesting and, and learning more, you know, for me as an entrepreneur, it's like, who are your users? And sometimes you need to refine your users. Sometimes maybe like try a different group of users go for the okay. DeFi community, see what they're doing. What are they doing? How's that working? What are their pains? Cause everyone's got a pain and it's really just a matter of reaching out. And, and the benefit of that is when you talk to people and you've probably found this with your podcast too, is like everyone's got some nugget of inspiration, some nugget of passion, some yeah. something that like, does something to you. Like everyone, you spin off of everyone in a different way, right? And you like gain energy from them. So always going back, the more you go back and talk to people, I feel like the better you can sort of get back on track quickly. Yeah. I really love what you just shared there because I think that for me was reignited when I came into Web3 and Stack specifically. When we came in there, I felt so inspired by everybody. And I'm like, I want to create something. I don't know what I want to create, but I'm just going to be here and support. And I was just like being there and trying to learn and like started as a mod in Crash Punks and then kind of like went up and then, you know, so many little steps there. But I think that like what you're sharing there is just like, connecting with people at the end of the day is just universal mm -hmm. and it's going to give you a lot of insight and data <laughs> for whatever you want to build. Um, so 
with that being said, how have you, like, what have you learned throughout the years in how to like connect with people and approach that's genuine, especially when you're trying to build something? Cause I feel sometimes you get those cold emails or like, it just feels <clears throat> not true connection. What have you learned? What I've learned more than anything is you can't like scale connection, human connection. You can't like if you try and like have a form letter and reach out to a bunch of people like a you you might it might work with some people if you're really hitting a need there are times i'm not saying we shouldn't try cold outreach and stuff there there's a space for that but the best way is just one by one looking at people finding like what I would say, like high quality people in whatever area you're looking for and just being a hundred percent honest and spending the time to look into them a little bit, see what they're into, follow them on Twitter, interact with them a little on Twitter and reach out with them. Like you can't like just going hard and, and blasting things out on, on social, you know, DMing people and hitting them up on LinkedIn and stuff it's, it's just going to be a low turnout, but you know, when yeah. people take the time and in my experience, you know, when I, I follow someone on Twitter and retweet some of their stuff and interact with them. Um, and then I DM them, then they're usually willing to chat a little bit, you know? And so, because they, they, they it's like, they know you, you know, a little bit. It's like yeah. warm. Um, whereas when you're cold, they don't know who you are. And look, there's so many people hitting us up now for, for stuff that we don't want or need. And so you don't, it's hard to, it's hard to filter out from the other side of that. Right. So just think what it's like yeah. from the other person's perspective, you know, and imagine, especially if you're, you know, someone who's got a lot of followers and, and a lot of that, like they, they don't have time, you know, to, to yeah. go through your stuff. So yeah. Well, you know, kind of like taking the bear market and the bull market is so different and how people interact too yeah. and how people sell and who's there. And I think we are definitely like in a bear market, we are seeing a little pump and we're seeing change of, of things, but how has the bear market shifted the way you're thinking with what you're building moving forward. Yeah. I mean, there's two aspects of that. One is the product that we're building. So, you know, most of how I determined this need was in 2021, I ended up starting out. So I, I was working, I'd started a, like a product strategy division of this digital transformation consulting company. And so that's what I was doing uh, is like a full-time job and then degening on the side and uh, and helping out. And I had invested in Blockstack in their original sort of coin list um, ICO. And I, I just sort of was checking back into it when Stacks 2.0 came out um, with all the staking and all that. And, uh, and so I had joined Freehold with Patrick Stanley at that community mm -hmm. and basically just was sort of doing community things. And it was really interesting to me, all the stuff that had happening. So I joined some other communities um, for all kinds of different sort of web three projects. And 
you know, and then I ended up sort of getting the residence program with Stacks and did user research and built the prototype. And that that's what became Friends. But, you know, how people were building community in 2021 was totally different from how they're doing it now. You know, there was yeah. like, everyone was grinding <laughs> for whitelist spots. And it was, it was like a, it was a very different thing altogether. Um, and so, you know, we started building for the 2021 mentality process, um, but learned pretty quickly uh, in late 2021, because things kind of shifted during that year, um, that yeah. it's not really the same anymore. Um, it, and it's, I think in some ways, it's good what's happened to communities because they've ended up becoming a lot smaller, but yeah. a lot more real. So it's, mm. and people are looking to find good people to get into their community that believe in the same thing, that share a vision, that share their mentality, um, and that are going to help them grow. And so now it's a lot more about sort of getting, growing organically, getting good yeah. engagement and contributions and, and that kind of stuff. Whereas before it was like creating FOMO and, <clears throat> you know, just getting making bad decisions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think like right now we are seeing a shift in how communities are being built. What even community, like what does the word community mean to you and what you're building? So can just tell us, I guess, a little bit about friends and a little bit more of where you're at and where you're projected to head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm excited because what I'm seeing too, is that community is like web three is all about community right so mm -hmm. i come from the product world and in the product world we have so much data we know behaviors we know who the users are we have funnels we have kpis we have i mean analytics everywhere we know everything that's going on we know what to fix if 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 you know how to do product management obviously uh, you know what to yeah. do, right? To Almost to like a sick point, like where people are sort of putting these levers in to make people do stupid stuff, you know, like almost controlling behavior. Um, but Web3 yeah. is not the same because decentralization, you don't have Google Analytics on a D app. You don't have mm. like product data and KPIs on a, an NFT collection. I mean, there's stuff, there's like how many wallets hold it and what the floor price is. But those are pretty loose. You don't know really who your, who your users are. But the way that you know who everyone is is in your community. Um, and the cool thing about these communities is they're engaged because they have skin in the game. They have like ownership, right? They either own tokens of the DAO or they own NFTs in the project. And everyone wants to advance that. And we choose these projects because they're aligned with our how we identify ourselves. And so... Mm -hmm. That's really cool. And so it's fun to see. And, you know, what we're trying to add to the game is being able to see, really see your community and see individuals. And we do that by sort of as community managers can see the Discord information, like who's chatting in Discord and things. They could do that before. But now you can also see if they're sharing things in Twitter and you can see who's holds a bunch of your NFTs. So if you're chatting, if you're a mod and you're chatting with someone, now you can open friends up and look at that person and you can know that they have like a hundred of your NFTs or they've shared a bunch of stuff or they're super active in discord. And 
And that helps you sort of flavor that. And I think before you, we had no idea, like the top 1% of contributors, uh, you can't miss them. They're everywhere. Right. But yeah, everyone else are, are invisible. Right. And so people come and they do some stuff and they share some things and, and they contribute, but you know, not everyone has time to like spend 20 hours a week in discord. <laughs> Very, yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, this from crash punk. So it's, it's like, you know, everyone should be seen and that's part of it. Like members should be seen for their contributions. And then that allows you to reward people. And in ways that aren't just like quests and, or just like points for doing, you know, just chatter in, in discord, like in meaningful ways, like being able to see, you know, who the different people are and how they contribute that that's the overall sort of goal for the most part for what we're building. Yeah. I mean, I think this is so, so powerful and needed because right now, you know, I'm, I'm working with an NFT community, our planet, working with their marketing and alongside with community growth. And it, we don't have enough data, enough analytics. And how can we really tell if we are growing or what's or what the community really needs? Right. Other than like we can create polls, we can create all these things, but that doesn't that doesn't really give us what we need. And I feel like this is going to be revolutionary and needed. So could you walk us through how, like, if, like, what type of communities do you work, do you want to, like, onboard or have, and how to onboard? Mm -hmm. Like, what, what, what would be the steps? So right now we're pretty much Discord-based. Um, okay. That's our assumption. We're looking, we'll cover other things as well, but we're, our assumption now is you have some sort of chat community happening in Discord. Um and then, you know, the tools, once you connect, so it's a bot. So all you need to do really is install our bot and that connects your Discord with friends. Um, and then from there, you can use whatever tools you want. So we have um, tools to connect wallets with Stacks and Ethereum. And we're going to add more mm -hmm. EVM ones as, and other ones as well. Um, so, and you can use that for allow listing. You can use that to get their wallets for doing drops, whatever you want. You just link their wallet. But once it's linked, then you can also put N your NFT collections. You can configure them in friends. And if you want, you can even assign like uh, Discord roles to people based on what they hold. Um, so then you can do like token gaming mm. and that kind of stuff. <clears throat> so that's one piece. And then there's also a Twitter connection. Um, and with that, there's no, like, you don't have to connect to Twitter, but we do have like a slash share. So if you slash share right. and then write something and, and add a link inside of discord, then it'll post that in whatever channel you want. And then there's one button and anyone can click it. And if they haven't connected their Twitter, they can. Um, and if they do, then they can share it directly to Twitter from then on without having to sort of go out into a web browser. So they can do it right from Discord. So it makes it super oh. easy to like propagate stuff out. And now that we have this sort of piece in, we want to add other things so that you can do like raids and things like that on Twitter, but just do it all from Discord and don't actually have to leave. Um, yeah, that's cool. So, and, and that's our hope is like connecting other tools in the future as well in simple ways that are organic. So there's value to doing it. Right. And then the other value yeah. of doing that when people connect is you can then see their shares and on the post, it'll even tell you like how many people have shared 
that post from the Discord. Um, and then the users connected that way. And then eventually, um, you know, once we have more communities and things in the system, we'll have profiles so that any user can have a profile. Um, and we want to have sort of NFT rewards that are sort of on-chain and automatic when you hit certain milestones that you can just keep. I'm actually, I want to do a dynamic, one dynamic NFT for each community. And then essentially do the, as they interact with it, it updates the metadata and and changes sort of how that looks. Um, And then eventually communities will be able to recruit members directly. So we just announced on just this week on the first that we're going to go decentralized. And part of the token. I saw that. Yeah. Is you can incentivize people to join your community. So you can say, Hey, you know, I want this person to join my community based on their profile. They look like they would be a good match and they just need to join the discord and, you know, share two things on Twitter and do whatever. And then they're going to be given a token reward. Um, So that kind of stuff I think will be valuable. And in terms of who can use friends at this point, pretty much any community, we've got all kinds of web three communities using it. Um, So NFT projects, games, DeFi, DApp communities can value from it. You know, anyone who is actively sort of growing or, you know, engaging their community, I, I think it can be value and it's totally free. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, I want to, since this is your, I guess, business plan with Discord and on Rally Crypto, you have people that are Web3 native and they love it and they tune in here. And we also have newbies that are, they hear about it, they want to know more about it. But one of the friction points and some, like I've, I've overcome that, of course, because we're We've been on Discord for so long, but Discord has can can be overwhelming, can be a lot, can be like an, an area of friction point. What's your advice for a newbie coming in on how to just navigate Discord and what the boundaries that they can set for themselves to actually enjoy the community? Yeah, it's tough. You know, I think I have I personally have like a love hate relationship with Discord. Like, <laughs> there's great things about it. I see why people why it's become what it is. At the same time, you know, when I was doing user research through the foundation, both members and community managers were equally frustrated with the tool, like getting it set up Mm. and doing it right. There's so many like little intricate steps that you need to do that people don't know about. Like if you don't set your, your server up as a community server, for example, then, and it's just like one little flag, it's not really easy to note when you're doing it then anyone who joins your discord will automatically get message for every message that gets posted. Right. Which is annoying for people. <laughs> and the majority actually. <laughs> yeah. And everyone does that. Everyone does that. And that doesn't, that don't realize it. And so it's frustrating. And then from a user perspective, you know, it's, it's tough for new people. Cause it's, you know, it, the trade-off is this. On the one hand, you want to make it so that it's just not just bots joining and all this stuff. So there are these things yeah. you have to do when you join, like these verified things and accepting the rules and all that. But then on the other hand, it's for new people that have never logged into a Discord server. It's like, what is all this stuff? And then you don't see any channels, so you don't know what's going on. You don't know you're supposed to click some emoji on, on the thing. You don't even know how, like how would people, that's not intuitive. Um, so I don't, my advice for beginners is like, 
just hang in there. <laughs> <laughs> I love this because it's like, you're going to love it and you're going to hate it yeah. and it just accept it. <laughs> it is. It, you know, and then the thing is like, the more you use it, like now I have so many notifications that come through yeah. that there's a real like signal to noise ratio problem. Yeah. Where I don't know, like I've missed drops. I've missed like important things for projects that I love, but I, I can't keep up with all of them. And I can't go back into, I'm in like 70 discords or something. So I can't go back into every single one all the time. I try to, the ones I love, but I just, you know, I don't have time for it always. So, so that's tough. I mean, there are a lot of problems to be solved. I, I, and I feel like this whole space in general, there are, more problems to be solved than good answers to be given on, on how to be happy. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, I think I agree. And I feel like this is why we have early adopters and why the masses are not coming in yet. And I think you alluded to this point earlier where specifically now we are seeing more niche specific communities, which it's not really scalable. Nobody has a, an answer or solution to how to make it scalable. So I'm just, I guess, thinking like, for example, the doodles, like it's still really challenging for them to attract the masses, even though they have, you know, top influencers and a top marketing team. It's just hard because of just, it's a new type of technology. There's a lot of problems and we're seeing that. And I think we kind of need to accept at the moment that we're doing really niche specific. So how can we serve the current community and also think about, like the problems that are like long-term and solve those. So we're like in a really unique space. I'd love to ask you, what do you love about the space right now? What is exciting you? What do you love? What's, what's present? You know, it's interesting now. It's, um, I think what's happened with all this FTX and especially with Terra Luna, actually, like people talk about FTX, but the tragedy of Terra Luna is it basically stole confidence from every project except for Ethereum and Bitcoin. Like yeah. everything else is like just an alt chain and, and it's really hard to break through that. And, and that's too bad because there are some really interesting models out there um that are just empty like stacks for example i mean you know yeah people are you know people have left stacks i think sbtc is going to be great i'm actually in terms of things yeah. i'm excited about i'm super excited about that i think that's a huge unlock um <clears throat> and i'm really looking forward to seeing you know how that plays out um but yeah i i think um you know right now the other thing that that sort of happened was with all these NFT projects, you know, everyone came out with this and, and then everyone sort of was emulating what Board Ape was doing. And so everyone mm -hmm. had kind of the same model of, okay, you release the token, then you release the mutants, then you release the, the babies or the pets or whatever. And then you like have some kind of land grab or game or, you know, and it's all kind of the same like formula. Um, and the reality is most of these NFT developers aren't, they don't know how to make games. They're artists, right? <laughs> uh, or marketers, you know, a lot of these NFT communities, they're just really good marketers that came out with like a, a good FOMO that people got in on. And so I think what's going to be interesting is seeing the true utility that comes out and the projects that have utility. I think 
the games that are being developed, because the reality is building good games is a three to five year cycle. So all the games that got funded in 2020, 2021, those are going to start coming out in the next couple of years. And there's going to be some cool games. You know, I, I was part of Moonray when they were sort of building. Yeah. And it was slow. It was slow going. You know, they were, you know, I, I didn't know how long it took. To, I didn't know games had that long of a cycle to build. And so, you know, I'd be in their discord and they'd be pushing out like, you know, like an algorithm of like a wave. And it's like, really, this is it. This is all you've got. But that's how you do it. <laughs> you know, that's how it takes a while to get everything. But now they've got this sort of alpha out and it has this cool feel. It's nothing like anything I've ever played. It's like you're playing on this sort of moonscape alien world that's got all these different sort of textures and stuff. And it's really cool. And and uh, I was talking with some guys at a local thing, Pantera's this VC that's local and they're, um, they're huge mm -hmm. VC. And this game, I can't remember what they're called, like Regenerate or something like that. Um, but they had some really cool things they were building. So I I'm really excited for that to come out. Um, and uh, frankly, I'm excited for people to kind of come back again. Because um, I do think that yeah. the builders that I know are working on building better experiences for this. And I think it will get to a point when wallets and keys and things will be somewhat abstracted um, and things like, you know, like Rider, where you have a wearable device that has your NFTs and you can just go to real things. And, um, you know, I think these kind of the UX is going to change and, and things aren't going to be Web3. It's just going to be plugged in to this. Yeah. Like the cloud was like, everyone was like the cloud, the cloud, the cloud. And now like, <laughs> it's just part. Now it's just easy. <laughs> yeah, it's just part of everything. It's just like, that's, that's how things work now, you know? And I think it'll be yeah. like that in the next few years with everything that got funded in the last couple of years and previously. I think you hit it on the nail. I feel that a lot of community members forget that building a company, building anything really isn't a three to six month game. It's it, it's it's a long, long game. We forget that these really big companies, think about Apple, think about Microsoft, like they did not blow up within the first three or six months. And I think we don't, we don't have that perspective because everything moves so quickly. Mm -hmm. And now the bear market, I think, is allowing a lot of the communities to rethink and to shift the culture mm -hmm. the culture of like this is not going to be a six month or even one year like you said it takes a long time and you also have to be an active participant mm -hmm. and how can you be of support in whatever skills that you have if you're a part of that community um I, yeah i just loved all of your takes that you just shared mm -hmm. um now on the on the flip side of what you kind of mentioned it but like what is something that is just needs a lot of area in this space what's like bugging you i don't know it's tough you know i think the whole thing that happened with ftx um mm. i think calls into question a lot of a lot of models that were out there um and i think i think what i get nervous about is you know building of these sort of pyramid scheme algorithm DeFi things. Um, Cause I think that, and not just stable coins, though that's part of it, but there are some that like you make money 
if you're early in. Um, and then the lay people don't. And I feel like the more we build stuff like that, um, it doesn't do us any favors, you know, and, and it's, it's tempting as someone who's part of this community to get involved in these things because you can get in early. And then when the masses come in, you can cash out. Um, and I've been a benefactor of that. I've participated in DeFi protocols that were great and they're based on a token and that token loses value over time as more people add to the pool. Um, but if you're in early, like you get this, this sort of cycle of, of making some cash. Um, and it's fun to be in early, <laughs> but if you're in late, well, someone ends up, you know, holding the bags basically is what happens. Yeah. And, uh, and if we keep screwing over new people that come to crypto, we're going to scare off new people from coming to crypto. So I think we just need to be real careful about these kind of protocols. And, and the flip side is if we're not careful of it as builders, um, and as sort of community participants, then it's going to be regulated. And if it gets regulated, then that's just going to change the nature of it. You know, um, maybe, maybe for the better, but it's also going to limit what we can do. So, um, cause regulation's never perfect ever. So. Yeah, it's not. And especially with regulation is slow, it's outdated and yeah, it's hard. But like you said, I think that the models, for people that are new and the majority of the people coming in, including myself are not really financially literate. So when you are marketing well and you, you want to join and then you get burned and it's, 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 it's also a responsibility of the, of the person, of the individual too, but it just, you're, you've already X'd out that person and they're going to have a really hard time coming into, into a space again, that, just like the word crypto encompasses everything. NFTs, like everything, FTX has stained everything that's under that umbrella of Web3. And it's really challenging because there's so many different parts of it. And also I think like DeFi is really like one of the areas that I absolutely loved it is just the financial system. You know, it, it is broken right now. And we are wanting to strive for a change but then that is also causing a lot of pain which is challenging so yeah i would you know we're wrapping up kind of and i just would love to hear a little bit more about like what else are you working on right now in the space um that you want to share with everyone mm. um <clears throat> well to be honest i don't have much time to work with anything but friends right now. <laughs> but I can say, um, you know, I spend a lot of time talking to partners and potential partners in the space. Um, mm -hmm. And I think overall, there's, I'm just really excited about a few things. One is, um, in general, just the, the marketing potential of this technology. Um, I think that Brands are coming to Web3 um, or crypto or blockchain or whatever you want to call it um, mm -hmm. because they're recognizing that this is an entirely new way to relate with consumers um, Yeah, because they can engage consumers in a way where they have ownership in something, right? So for the first time you can have, you know, you can own like a Nike shoe, but it, 
that has value in the metaverse that you can resell mm -hmm. and that might grow. And then you can help those sort of values and, and it engages consumers in a, in a whole new way where they can influence things. And the idea of DAOs, like brands using DAOs to influence their products, to influence whatever it is that, that they're working on, to, to essentially have these engaged groups that can, can vote on things. I talked to someone who was doing like a consumer product goods play and they wanted to create a DAO and then people could join essentially based on the NFT that you own to become a member, you would become sort of part of the product group. And then you'd be able to vote on new Ooh. products. They would send you samples and you became like this engaged consumer and you were rewarded for it. Um, and that's kind of cool. And then other people might want to buy yeah. into that product. So I think that's really interesting um, that, and then the other piece is just things like third web is one of our partners. Um, and they've mm -hmm. made it so easy to create NFT collections and stuff without code um, and without having to have audits and all this. Um, yeah. And I think that kind of, those kind of tools are really going to accelerate growth because there's not going to be like collections that have coding issues like, the one that we were involved with. Yeah. It's kind of like Canva. Yeah. <laughs> How it's made life easier. You know, exactly. you're not a designer, use Canva. <laughs> exactly. Like Photoshop is great. And there are times to use Photoshop and professionals will yes. use Photoshop, okay. right? But most of us are fine using Canva. That does like yeah. what we need to do. So yeah. And, and that's going to be really okay. cool. So so I want to take us out a little bit of the Web3 world. What do you do to find balance in life? What do you do outside <laughs> other than make wine? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't do that anymore. Um, I love yeah. to cook. <clears throat> I'm, I'm like, so I told you I'm the primary parent, so I do all the cooking. Yeah. And I like it. For me, it's like this tech stuff and being on like Zoom all the time. And um, it's just yeah. so cerebral. And so I like engaging with things that get me back in my physicality and i love that cooking's like sensual and engages your sort of smell taste touch and um so I, I really enjoy doing that and coming up with new things um i actually started like working out and running again and i've been running like every day almost since september and it's been like a life changer like it's you know, people always say it helps your mood and all this, but really it's, it's been a life. It does. And, and I, for, I got out of the habit of it and I forgot like how much better you feel when you exercise all the time. Yeah. I, I have to say, I also started working out this year. Last year I was pretty sedentary and I have really long days the past since 2023 and I work out and I am so surprised how much more energy I have. Like it, I would say at like a 50 to 60% more energy. And I, I'm just, I feel great. I have, like, I can get stuff done. Um, so yeah, I, working out, moving your body is definitely like a must, especially when we're on the computer. Um, I actually want to wrap up with a few questions. So the first one is I'm, I got excited and I didn't ask this in the beginning, <laughs> but I always love asking what's your superpower. So that one thing that comes to you most easily. Mm -hmm. 
You know, I think it's, I mean, it's going to sound weird. I hope it doesn't sound conceited, um, but <laughs> I can understand things very quickly. Like I can read, I can read a little bit about something or someone can kind of tell me something and I just instantly grok the whole concept. Um, Ooh. Yeah. It's, but going detailed, I'm like ADD. So like I can learn the gist of it, but like then becoming a master of it, that's like a whole other different skill that I don't always possess. Um, but like understanding something very quickly, I think has always behooved me. That's helped me in everything I've done. It's why I studied journalism actually, because I, that was what I studied Ooh. in college because it was like, I could get into a little world and I could understand it quickly and, and write an article about, but then I could move on to the next thing, which I like. That's actually, that's super powerful. And it, this is why you've probably been at the edge of innovation all the time, because you can kind of grasp what's happening and go in and see something that most of us can't see. I love that. Okay. So the final questions are a lightning round. So I asked them and you can, um, if you can answer them as quickly and concise as oh, possible. Yeah, right. I'm ready. Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What's your favorite book? Um, oh, that's a good question. I think it's Dune. I, I reread that Ooh. recently. The, you know, that I mean, they, they made a movie of yeah. it finally. That was the movie. decent. Um, but I love that book. I don't know what it is about. There's so much to that book. It's really good. Okay. I'm, I might have to pick it up. So next question. One, pe one piece of advice to share with the world right now. Hmm. You know, I think for me, it's like sometimes we need to listen more and we need to like not be so quick to just classify people as other. And and like I, I think our political division, especially in the U.S., but it's happening everywhere, is so diverse and it's been so fomented by social media and media that I think we need to like come back together again. And I think we need to do that by like really listening and hearing the other person's story instead of quickly discounting them and, and reverting to this sort of pattern of, of just classifying people as, you know, lefty or righty or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, that's so important right now. Um, okay, no, so good. Your go-to drink. My, my goal to what? Your go-to drink? Oh, my go-to Your favorite drink. drink. I mean, wine, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously. To, and to be more specific, I would say probably like the French wines. Lately, I've been liking um, wines from the reds from the Loire region of France. Cabernet. Cabernet okay, Pro. so now I'm... I'm going to message you to be like, well, what wine can I get that you recommend? You're just going to be my go-to person for that. Um, what's uh, one thing you cannot stand? Um, one thing I can't stand. You know, I, I don't like rude people. I really don't. I don't like people that are just like so self-absorbed. This guy, like, the other day was driving in a Lamborghini SUV, which first of all, why? Um, but then he was like such a jerk and like cutting people off and stuff. And I don't know why that just really gets under my skin when people are like that. So I just, you know, gotta be Agreed. like that. What's your favorite place in the world? Um, probably Paris, France. I love Paris. Mm. What do you love most about yourself? You know, over the years, I think the thing that's 
behooved me the best is, and I, I don't know how I do this, but I feel like <clears throat> for some reason I always put people at ease. Like people, mm. like the class clowns would always talk to me seriously because they like felt comfortable. They didn't feel like they had to be silly around me. And people that were like um, nerdy or whatever always felt like they could talk to me and cats love me. So I, I don't know what it is, but I put things at ease. I guess I have a gentle nature or something like that. Ah, I love this. Uh, Drew, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to chat with you and connect with you. It's actually been a really long time since you and I last uh, connected. Where can people hang out yeah. with you? Um, I'm all over. Um, on Twitter, at Drew Falkman, just my full name. I'm not um, pseudonymous or anything. Uh, and <laughs> our website for friends is friends.place. Um, so you're always welcome to find me there. Great. All of this will be in the show notes. So um, thank you, Drew. And I hope you have a lovely day.